Hello and welcome to One for the Books. I'm Jacinta. And I'm Emma. We're a book podcast for everyone, whether you love reading or your idea of a book is a glossy mag, we have recommendations to kickstart your book club. Eagle Heart Book Club, Ultimate Reckless, and Catch Up With Your Friends. <laughs> you did it! You did it! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, let's take your shoes and <laughs> Finally, like, got a damp pad. Exactly, mm. yeah. <laughs> um, this episode, um, I think... We're recording this when Mardi Gras just finished and everyone calls that um, gay Christmas. And I feel like our theme for today is book nerd Christmas. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Because we're doing, um, this episode we'll be chatting about our favourite books from Adelaide Writers Week authors. Yeah, all our favourite authors have come to Adelaide for once. I know, it's so exciting. It's all the best time of year. live streamed from... <laughs> <laughs> so I wish that this was visual so that everyone could have seen the epic eye roll you just gave. <laughs> that was so good. Well, I made the the immense effort to go into the city for one of my favourite authors. It's Patrick Grant. I was like, if you yeah, haven't, okay. yep. if you haven't guessed that by now. <laughs> it was, was like, either him or Eleanor Ferrente. Exactly. I feel like they were the option. Exactly. I came all that way to just see a live stream. I knew that it was happening. And then at the last minute, they changed the time. <laughs> Not only the time, but the day. The whole, like if it was in an hour, sure. Yeah. It I'll wasn't just out. a delay for a couple of hours max. It they changed a whole, whole new day. day. So I was left standing in the middle of Riders Week being like, what's happening? Where is PRK? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And my front seat saved and everything. <laughs> Just hip and shouldering all the pensioners out of the way. Like, move, bitch. I can hit PRK. This is my time. (laughs) This is for the young ones. (laughs) So I hope whoever saw him on Sunday had a great time. Were you just like, fuck this and didn't go back? I was so mad. I brought myself lunch and I went home. (laughs) So so that was my Riders Week experience. (laughs) How was yours? Um... I have a confession to make. <laughs> this is the first Writers' Week I have not seen anything. I've mm. not gone to a single one. Well, I'm kind of devastated, but it is what it is. But that's why we're bringing yes. Adelaide Writers' Week to you. And us. <laughs> and us. In your ears, for your convenience, at any time you want to listen. Exactly. And we're just cutting straight to the good bits. Oh, so You know, true. skipping... Oh, I don't want to shit on any authors, but like, you know, some are better than others. Um, yeah, we all got our favourites. Yeah. We all got the ones that we want. And exactly. these are our favourites. Totally. Yeah. This is what we would have seen if it was... 100%. ...at a better time or they didn't cancel on you. <laughs> I'm so sorry that happened to you. <laughs> anyway, so Adelaide Writers Week, what is your first book that you're going to talk about um, from this year's lineup? Yes, yeah, so I recently read a book called The Mother Wound by Amani Haider, which completely blew me away. I know you've read this book too. It is. It's intense. an intense one. I might just give a warning. I think that that's before. appropriate, yeah. Um, so this story involves domestic violence, emotional abuse, and also murder. So if you um, are unsure if you want to hear this or the detail that it goes into, just skip ahead. And yeah, that's fine. And help is always available. There's heaps of good support services. Totally. Around. 
Yes. Good point. Yeah. So this book is about Amani coming to terms with the painful and brutal murder of her mother at the hands of her father. Like, I can't even begin mm. to... The trauma. Imagine mm. how difficult that is. I think it felt even more powerful because she was five months pregnant when her <gasps> mum was murdered. Oh, my gosh. And so she was obviously in a stage of her life where she was contemplating motherhood. Totally. What that means for her, you know, that becoming an identity for herself. Yeah. And to lose, I guess, an anchor to that experience that could have guided you because they had Completely. quite a close relationship, like her yeah. and her mother. Um, and she's the oldest in the family, Amani, like the oldest yes. child. So, yeah, I think that just made it feel... And she, I think she starts the book off referencing the birth of her first child and that just sets the scene for the yeah. whole book exactly. in a heartbreaking way. And that's also where the, the name The Mother Wound comes from. So it's that kind of intergenerational trauma that she also explores with her grandmother and her mother's story of immigration and displacement. And racism and discrimination when in Australia. um, Because obviously, yeah, her family migrated to Australia, but then their experiences as Muslims Mm. in Australia at a pretty interesting post-9-11, post-Cronulla riots world. Yes, it was like just around those those after years where like that kind of Muslim hate was at its like worst. And Amani is a hijabi woman. Mm. So, you know, quite a visible identity. Yeah that unfortunately just makes her or other people see that as an obvious target for their own hatred. And it's, totally. So I feel like she spoke really eloquently to so many intersections of her own experience. Yeah, and it was really interesting hearing her actually express that kind of nervousness of I'm speaking out against domestic violence and this thing that happened to my mother, mm. how that's going to be perceived. Mm. She was kind of quite nervous about it and was obviously trep- like trepidatious about mm. it because... Of all the blowback she would get for how she's seen in this world. To be so vulnerable and share her story and her trauma. Yeah, yeah. To be so outspoken, knowing what was coming is, like, brave in itself. Yeah. Let alone to tell such, like, like, a harrowing, traumatic story that's so personal and kind of complicated in her own life. Mm. It's incredible. And not only did she get, like you kind of mentioned, she got blowback from the public, but also her own family. Yeah. Because she actually didn't stick by her father. So her father's family really turned against her and did some really awful things. So she, her recounting that is so painful as well mm. and kind of adds this whole other edge on top of it. And I thought was the most heartbreaking part about it was... She's almost trying to understand why yeah. it happened through the book. So you really feel her trying to think back to, like, conversations or, like, little things that happened between her parents and if she could have stopped something or if something would have been different. And you can really see her kind of coming to terms with that through her own experience as well, which I found almost the most heartbreaking bit. Yeah, I actually really <clears throat> enjoyed narratively the way she structured the book that yeah. <clears throat> wasn't necessarily chronological. She kinds of kind of jumps between the present mm. and the past. There's definitely connections each time she does it, so it doesn't feel jarring. Yeah. But a lot of it is when she remembers certain things mm. or they're painted in a completely different way now that 
her mum has been murdered yeah. in that she understands that that was a form of abuse. But yeah. because that was her only experience of immediate family, you know, like any of us, if you grow up with it, it's yeah. hard to not see that as normal. Exactly. Or to just assume, you know, to downplay it and, yeah. Which is horrifying. But, yeah, like you said, I like that it jumps between the past and the present. You've got a yeah. really good feel of Lebanon around 2006 and the war, which she actually lost her grandmother in. I thought those parts were really fascinating as well. She explains about how her mum was watching the news when it happened. Oh, my, oh my gosh. It's, there's so many layers of trigger warnings and trauma in this book. Yeah. Like, it is a lot yeah, exactly. of pain and loss. But, again... I think very important to read about Mm. those experiences and also understand that there are so many Australians whose experiences of war is very first-hand. Yeah, she talks a lot about, like, that pressure of being the second generation. Yeah. And, like, how much your family has sacrificed for Mm -hmm. you. So you always, especially as the oldest daughter, Mm. how much pressure is on you to succeed and follow a certain path. Mm. So that played into everything as well, which is obviously what happened to them and them coming to Australia and all of that, like it all kind of made sense in the context of Mm. things. But I did think, while it's like really difficult to read, I think it was beautiful the way she honoured her mother through the story. I thought that was amazing. I was actually going to say, I feel like there's lots of layers of motherhood in the book. Like it Mm. is... The book is definitely a tribute to her mum and how incredible her mum and her grandma were, I think, in being formative sort of role models. But, you know, even after her mum was murdered, she basically became a mum to her sisters. So there's sort of these layers of motherhood throughout of, yeah, the grandma to the mum to Amani as a sister and then also a mum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're right, there's so many layers to it. And the fact that she was actually able to tell the story of her mother, I thought was really beautiful and not the headlines or like the coverage of something like this that captured people's attention in that way. And they're like, so her mother was studying at the time that she um, was murdered and they honoured her with an honorary degree. And I just started bowling at that spot because it was... It was just so such a beautiful way to honour her and what she believed in and what she found important in her life. And they actually accepted her degree on her behalf. Yeah, like Amani got to walk across the stage on her mum's behalf. Yeah, and she would have been the first woman in her family to get a university degree. Was it in nursing? I think community work. That's right. Because like she was social like a work. Yeah. yeah. So she was so dedicated to the community. So dedicated to the community. And you do really get like a feel for her mother. And I feel mm. really lucky to have kind of known her a little bit more about her. Yeah, totally. So I think the way they do it, like you said, was done with so much love. And I think that's what makes it worth it. Um, She's also a lawyer, so she can a lawyer by trade. That's how. Yeah. That's what she worked as before it all happened. So she really can talk to how the systems have been yeah. failing these people, and she does that really well as well. I thought through both her legal understanding, but also by the example of her mum trying to leave multiple times. Oh, like her mum yeah. tried to leave her dad on a handful of different occasions, mm-hmm. and obviously we know it didn't end well, but. Yeah, like, she was trying to get out, but how the system, I think, fails people that are trying to separate themselves. Yeah, it wasn't 
without <coughs> like effort or trying. Mm, exactly. So um, it's an incredible book. I do like have a read if you totally if you're not triggered by that kind of thing. But yeah, it's a beautiful love letter to her mother and just kind of highlights how not silent but how like under the surface that kind mm. of abuse can be and how it can reap so many impacts on a person's life and that kind of thing so yeah and I think um you know abuse isn't just yeah the fact that she even could commit it to paper like is so brave mm. and she wrote it with such kind of deafness and like intimacy and like love like we were saying Mm. it's a really beautiful book yeah and the strength of the three sisters because they've testified against their dad in court as well which is very brave particularly given you know um the issues within extended family about them not supporting a dad yeah so I'm glad this book is out in the world. Mm. And that is The Mother Wound by Amani Haider. Such a good recommendation. Holy shit. That was one of, yeah, the best books I've read in the last little while. It's incredible. Mm. Agreed. How about your first one? Um, my first book is um, not the book the author is currently promoting. <laughs> but they're an author at Adelaide Writers Week, so I'm, I'm counting it. That counts. Um, that counts. It's Alice Pung and her novel Lorinda. So she's, I think she's currently promoting her latest book, 100 Days, which I've also read and is really good. Uh, so this is a YA fiction novel. Love it. Yeah. Really, like, continuing my YA bandwagon. I'm obsessed. Um, it's such an underrated 100% it is. genre for, like, people our age. Also. There's so much, so many good gems in there. So many genres within that that are so good. But also... I often recommend YA books when people say they've been going through reading slumps and they need a book that's just going to grab them Love and that. that's easy to read. Yes. And I'm like, YA is where it's at. Oh gosh, that's such a, like if you just want to enjoy a book. Warm yourself up a bit and like yeah. ease into maybe reading a bit more regularly. Yeah. That's such a like, good idea. Romance, YA are the two oh, easiest genres yes. if you need a quick, like, I just want to be obsessed with reading again totally. kind of a book. I feel like they never fail genres. Anyway. Such a good tip, actually. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Just <laughs> dish it out free and Um Anyway, Lorinda is a novel set in the 1990s and focuses on um, an all-girls school. Um, but I found it really interesting because the book is – because it's set in the 90s, it's before we were, like, mainlining Instagram and TikTok on a daily oh, basis. Of course. So it's, like, before that social media rise, yeah. that technology kind of – so it's kind of Super a trick to read about teenage years and it not feature social media and mobile phones. I was going to say, we wild. just kind of like missed it. So this would be like almost a whole new world. Yeah, like, and even me, like I had a phone in high school. Like I yeah. remember it was starting to become a thing. I mean, we played Snake and text like, <laughs> what up to each other or whatever. Um, <laughs> Messenger, yeah. yeah. You can, I think you could send an MMS um, with an image. Special, oh, you said, yeah. special. But you would never do it because it costs so much money. Um, it so was like true. a dollar of fucking MMS or some shit. It would use up your whole data. For yeah. That <laughs> um, so the book follows the main character, Lucy Lum, a working class child from a Chinese family who wins a scholarship to go to this really prestigious private all girls school. Oh. And the school is called Lorinda. So. That feels like rife for. Oh, for so drama. many things to yeah. pick up from. Yeah. Um, and I think I like it because, 
Lucy is such a great character in that I think she's easy to identify with. You know, she has a shaky sense of self. Pretty much any of us in our teenage years. Oh, yeah. But she is super observant. And so she notices that the sort of, you know, the core popular girls, um, which who are nicknamed the cabinet, <laughs> like oh. I think as a political reference of like oh. the cabinet. That's quite like forward thing. I know. Um, anyway, but they sort of prey on her desire to fit in and be oh. accepted at this new school. So they kind of court her as friends, as a friend, um, and it becomes sort of this battle of her own identity and integrity because the book covers some really big themes like class conflict and racial difference because as is true I think of a lot of prestigious private schools it's a very white so she's one of the only students of color Mm. and because she's on a scholarship she's also a scholarship student so she's sort of dealing with so many racial stereotypes as well about the type of person and student she is um, but there's a lot so of inferior, right? Like walking into that lion's den. Oh I feel like my worst nightmare. I can't to do even that as a teenager. Imagine, yeah, when yeah. you're already so unsure about yeah. like every taking part of yourself. Step, yeah, step shaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just like the privilege that all of the other students have that they're just yeah. completely unaware that yeah. they have. It's almost like this whole another world she would yeah. be discovering. So it's like that concept that this core point in her life when you're already battling with your identity and who you are and what yeah. you stand for, she's sort of thrown into this completely new world that makes her reevaluate all of that because it brings out all of the anxious oh must God. fit in components of your personality yeah um all those insecurities yeah but they deal with it in this yeah Alice Pung deals with it in this really great like intersectional way where there's like just this the character development of her family is really good um so yeah it's kind of funny but like very feisty and emotive as well Oh, yeah. wow. She sounds like a great character. Yeah, she's really good, and it would be great. I don't know if it already exists, but it'd be a good TV show. I say oh that about gosh, every yeah. book I talk about. Them. <laughs> but you can just imagine that, like, all the uniforms. Oh, my God. Totally. Like, old buildings of the pretty, like, like brown looking for Ella Brandy vibes. That's what the, I was thinking. Like, the 2022 version. Yes, exactly. We've been asking for it, because looking for Ella Brandy, one of the most iconic Australian films of all time. What a movie. I had such a crush on the bad boy from the public school. Of course. Um, um, that is Lorinda by Alice Pong. It's great. I really love it. Um, it's YA, so it's kind of easy-ish to read yeah. because it's just written in a way that makes it easy to get into. Yeah, it's definitely inspired me to look at more YA novels oh, nice. or revisit ones from our past. <laughs> <laughs> Always here for that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, what? yeah, what's your second book for today? So, I recommend Beautiful Revolutionary by Laura Elizabeth Willett. So, I guess this book is right up my alley because I've read a lot of non-fiction books on cults and this period of time as well during like the 1960s and 70s in California. But this is, while this book covers all those topics, it's actually a fiction book. So it's essentially historical fiction on this topic. And it's been like a real revelation. Really? I loved this book so much, like based on actual real characters and real events. But you're following a narrative that she can kind of meld, the author can meld 
to be much more compelling and much more like interesting so historical fiction yeah exactly. i kind of love it when they do that it makes me think of there's so many books but like hamnet by maggie o'farrell that mm. you know is sort of loosely based on shakespeare yes. well not loosely it's based on shakespeare totally. and the play hamlet but yeah it's that sense that like yeah real people real sort of overarching themes mm. and fi- like factual events mm. but then breathes life into these characters that's fictional totally and you can take so much more creative license yeah kind of with the setting or with the character development and that kind of thing and i think this book really i guess benefited from that so it's based on a true story about um the jamestown massacre so not intense at all yeah so this is probably like this is probably like a I'd probably like have a. Um, You've recommended some really light reading just, books. I've just realised that this is quite intense as well. <laughs> you like here is violence with a side of violence. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Trigger warning for cults, murder, suicide, mass murder, mass murder. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much you know about the James. Honestly, Oscar. like really not much. But you know how it ends, right? They die. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm just hazarding a guess. So if, if you don't know much, okay, it's basically a cult that was started in started in Indiana, moved to California where it hit his peak by a reverend called Jim Jones. And then he moved his cult That's to That's a 100% a fake name, but yeah. <laughs> Who would trust a guy called That's Reverend like Jim Jones? That's like a cult leader slash stripper name. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Jimmy Jones. <laughs> The practices of the cult were getting so much negative press and suspicious. He actually moved all these people, about a thousand people, to Guyana, which is on the coast of South America. A thousand people. I did yes. not know this. Yeah, so... I don't they, know anything about it. I'm fast realising. It's where drink the Kool-Aid comes from. Drinking the Kool-Aid, that expression. That's where the expression comes from. No. Do you know how often I've used that expression? No, it's oh my from God. these people drinking cyanide-laced Kool-Aid to commit suicide on a mass scale. And they knew it. Yeah, yeah. Like they, oh, okay. Well, there is some conjecture about that because it is fine. This is, like, some people were injected with cyanide. Some people were shot, like. Some people were shot? Yeah, like it's. Okay, that seems less um horrifically like brutal. Like yeah, and I think about nine hundred people died. They were all so infatuated with this leader and so convinced he was like the second coming that they sacrificed themselves. I feel like the themes of both of your books are intense manipulation. Yeah, and abusive relationships. <laughs> fundamentally, at the core of this is like a really horrific story. <laughs> I love that you're like this book's great. Um. <laughs> Stuff why? (laughs) So yeah, it follows the Jamestown massacre. Cool. If you don't know, that's where the whole Kool Aid thing comes into because they were Mm. like brainwashed to believe something and believe in this higher power, and then to sacrifice themselves for it. So you kind of, if you know a little bit about what actually happened. It's a really interesting way to read the book because it's kind of like careening to this really like harrowing end and you know that's what's coming like yeah. the whole time. So you can fall in love with these characters or like sympathize with them, but you ultimately know how it's going to end. So it's just really it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It like has this kind of like the mother wound. It kind of has this whole other dark edge to it and everything you're reading this kind of not seedy undertone but like a really dark 
undertone, essentially. Mm. So it's divided into three parts. The first part um, follows this couple, which is actually based on a real couple, and they fall into this People's Temple cult. And they actually go pretty high within the cult and get into Jim Jones's like inner circle. She actually becomes his lover and like has a child with him. I mean, he fathers many children, as you can imagine. I mean, this is also a common theme with particularly... Yes. I mean, cult leaders are typically white men. Oh, completely. And there's... You kind of see her being sucked into this whole world and oh. this kind of orbit of this Jim Jones kind of cult leader. And it's almost heartbreaking because she's this real idealist, progressive in her views, like staunch, like protector of people. And to see all these people with really good intentions kind of being, yeah, sucked into this cesspool yeah, is really, and you know what's happening, what it's kind of going to end in, is like hard to read at times, but kind of describes that you really do get into the characters' backstories. And it is that kind of meditation of why people join cults, mm. what happens when you maybe fall out of love with it. There's a part about a bunch of young defectors, which is quite interesting as well. But you do kind of, it's with that thing of like historical fiction, you can really get into their psyche and why they're doing what they're doing. And it builds up well so much more and you feel sorry for them. You see their points of view. We connect with the characters at the same time knowing that it's going to end in their death. Exactly. So, yeah, it's definitely an intense book, but it's a real fascinating one and an engrossing one. I do... I do think that, because they focus on this couple in the beginning, like, that's such an intimate, like, lovely portrayal of what was happening. And then it goes into, like, the young defectors and these other um, these upper, other couple people that were on the peripheral. And it maybe had too many characters in those sections. Yeah. Like, I think it would have just worked if it was maybe, like, cut out a Even third of it. was just the couple. Yeah, and, like, following, because it was enough. Mm. So those bits kind of suffered because that first part was so yeah. engrossing and so incredible and she wrote it and developed it so well. So I do think it can maybe get a bit long and you get a bit mixed up with all the names and stuff. But I just I just found this so fascinating. I mean, I'm clearly obsessed with <laughs> this period of time and cults. I was going to say cults in general. I feel like you've <laughs> like, recommended a couple of books that do with cult leaders and yeah. cults over the last little it's while. definitely something that gets me going <laughs> that I'm fascinated with. But it is such like a like a horrific story and to give it a human side. Yeah. I think it was really incredible. Like you can tell she like researched it really heavily. She spoke to a lot of like survivors. So you can tell all the work and the care that's gone into like portraying these people the way she did. And I think it's a really cool way to kind of know more about this historical event and maybe people's attitudes and feelings during that period of time and mm. why people were so um, ready to join cults and yeah. things like that. So this book Mike was Beautiful Revolutionary by Laura Elizabeth Woolert. So um, good. How about you? What's your last one? Um, my last book that I'm recommending is Anita Heiss's new book, um, Villa Yadugalung Duray. I really hope I didn't butcher that. I've been practicing it all day. It's quite a long one, isn't um, it? I'm impressed. It translates to River of Dreams in English. Um, oh, wow. I know. It's, it's a really, like, beautiful story. Um, I also think it's so powerful that the book um, has a title in language. 
and that that's in major bookstores and on bestseller lists because Anita Heiss is an incredible author in general. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, you know, it's well overdue. We're in 2022. It's insane that this is the first year that that's even happened. But, but also not one that's, like, easily digestible. Like, it's Yeah, yeah, it's long. not phonetic. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. it is quite long. But I also, I just, I, yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, but she wrote in a blog post on Simon & Schuster, the publisher's website, um, I believe it's the first time that the title of any commercial Australian novel has appeared solely in an Aboriginal language without the English translation on the front. Oh, cool. Which is so incredible. So it's almost like got a double-sided cover, and so the translation's on the back cover. Yeah. Um, but you really don't think about turning it over to look at that necessarily. But also the fact that it's taken this long. I mean, to this not is what I mean. Cater to all those yeah. other audiences. And that's, to have a book in language like that. Yeah. That's pretty special. Um, yeah. And it's a very special book. Mm. Um, so it's her latest novel. I think she's a very prolific author. Um, so it kicks off in Gundagai in central New South Wales in 1852. So also, I guess, an historical fiction book because it's based around some true events. Wow. Um, and it automatically, honestly, it's like quite tense from the get-go. Like it automatically sets the scene um, because it starts with um, the Great Flood of Gundagai in 1852 because the Murrumbidgee like that town's right on the Murrumbidgee. Okay. Aboriginal, like local Aboriginal elders were warning the white people that like it's a floodplain, oh. don't build there, build higher up. And they're like, what are you talking about? Because when they f- were sort of first building homes there, it was more of a drought. They hadn't had rain in years. And so they ignorantly just thought it would oh never happen. Anyway, um, so it was a pretty horrific flood like lots of lives lost like almost a hundred people died in the flood um because it was so extreme um and no one left in time and blah blah blah. i feel like also trigger warning for floods just at the moment because it's not a great time (laughs) that's true um so it follows wiradjuri woman um wagadine and her life as a slave to the bradley family and i feel like it's very important to acknowledge Mm. that she's a slave Mm. she was paid zero wages Mm. Um, but they, like, griped because she would some, sometimes eat leftovers. Um, oh, my God. I know. But she's forced to move and leave her family behind when the Bradley family relocate to Wagga Wagga because they lost all of their extended family in the flood. Okay. But it means that she's torn from country and family with oh. zero choice in the matter. Um, but there's a really beautiful, like, love story in there. Um, she meets one of the drovers that... Um, ends up working for the Bradley family and they fall in love with it. It's just, like, the sweetest thing in oh the world. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm in. I know. <laughs> she, like, sneaks out to, like, go meet him. It's adorable. Um, but it's also, I think, just this really heart-wrenching articulation of loss and belonging and family. Um, wow. And it also captures in a really brilliant um, way Aboriginal connection to country. Um, but, yeah, it's this epic tale of love, loss, belonging... And what family means. Mm. Um, the fact that it's called River of Dreams as well. Right. It paints such a beautiful picture. Yeah, so and I like, really, really love it. so important to acknowledge that there were slaves in Australia. I mean, and that given our is, Prime Minister didn't know that, like, was it last year exactly. or the year before? And that this is actually giving a voice to mm. one of those people. Yeah. And her autonomy, like, that's really beautiful. Because a lot of the Aboriginal drovers, basically they knew the land really well, but they were never paid either. They got Mm. paid in rations. Mm. And then when legislation was introduced where they had to get paid wages, a lot of them got laid off. 
because the only reason they were employed oh is they God. were free slave labor. Shit. So it's just it's pretty intense. Yeah. Um, and that's all then embedded in the discrimination that we still and the gaps that we still yeah kind of experience and today. displacement because a lot of them were forced off their land because the. Um, white people who created the stations Mm -hmm. were setting themselves up on land that would normally have been hunting grounds Mm -hmm. or, you know, where they would have had other food farming and, you know, resources. And so they were sort of forced into little pockets of their country that can't sustain them because it's bits that aren't supposed to sustain them on their own. Of course. So then they're forced to work for white people to try and stay on country because that's a really big part of it. A lot of them didn't want to leave because country is so important to them. So then the only choice was... So the only choice they had was to stay and work for the white man for zero money. Of course. I mean, also violence and so many things, but... Um, yeah, but that's um, Bila Yadagalang Duray by Anita Heiss. I'm reading that right it's really, away. It's just easy to read. It's beautiful. really beautiful. Yeah. And Bogodan is like the loveliest. Oh, I loved her so much. Oh, thank know, you for that recommendation. It's such a good one. Oh. Yeah. I love how we've had our own mini Adelaide Riders And that one is surprisingly like doesn't take ages to get from the library. Oh. Even though it's in, it really came out last year. Okay, I'm going to yeah. request it then right away. Yeah, and you might get my copy because I'm about to return it. <laughs> Always on time. Oh, Proud yeah. of you. <laughs> oh, no, I've got a few overdues again. Oh, do you? Yeah. Getting back into anxious territory. What are you recommending outside of Adelaide Writers Week books and authors? Oh, yeah. So um, it's a TV show um, on Apple TV. Oh, my God. I feel like you always recommend Apple TV shows. That's really solid one. I'm surprised at how much I like. So this one is called The After Party. Oh, my God. I've heard about this. Yeah. It's got pretty, like, star-studded cast. Like Tiffany Haddish, Zoe Chow. I love Tiffany Haddish. Ben Schwartz, Alana Glazer, Dave Franco. (gasps) Alana Glazer's in it? Get out and take my money. Exactly. She's great in it. So it's kind of like a murder mystery. So they all, all these people from disparate backgrounds kind of come together for a high school reunion and someone dies at the end. Of the first episode. This sounds so interesting. And then each episode focuses on one of the people at the party and if they could possibly, like, their backstory, and if they possibly could have committed the crime. You know, okay, it reminds me of so many things. It reminds me of a TV show called Search Party. I was going to say, it's very... um, Yeah. John Early's in it as well. Right. And And it also reminds me of... um, the Selena Gomez TV show. Oh, Only Madison. Yeah. Yes. Like conceptually, thematically, yes. like I'm sure that there's differences, but when you it started is. describing it, all of those things popped into it's my head. Definitely, it definitely has that feel. But what I liked about this is each episode focuses on another character, like I said, and it's each a different like genre of movie. Oh. So one's like a musical, another no. one's like a romantic comedy. Another one's like a film noir. I'm obsessed with this. And so it like gives you an insight into the character and their psyche as well. Wait, what's Alana Glazer's thriller? So yeah, I recommend this TV show. It's great. Oh, fuck yes. I'm going to watch this immediately. <laughs> I was so, I was so impressed. 
So yeah, I think you would really like it. It sounds amazing. It's great. I yeah, I can't wait to find out how it ends. I think it's being renewed for a second season as well. Already so I'm pumped. Fuck yeah. Yeah, it's like it's it's pretty top tier. So the after party on Apple TV. Sorry if you don't have Apple TV. Oh my god, no, I love it. <laughs> um, so yeah, you said you were really excited about your I, recommendation. So I caught up with a friend on the weekend, and she always has really really good podcast recommendations. Love so I'm it. recommending. A podcast episode that she recommended to me cool. um, that I listened to yesterday and I just loved it. It was such a good episode. So the podcast is called The Food Chain by the BBC. Oh. So it's a foodie podcast. Interesting. Um, but the episode is called Too Many Cookbooks. <laughs> and it is honestly so interesting listening to it. So um, the host interviews two main people, Diana Henry and Cindy Paulson. Um, so Diana Henry is one of like the UK's leading food writers and critics. Okay, yeah. um, and Cindy Paulson is like a California chef and restaurateur. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sort of each speak to their cookbook collections and talk about what makes a good cookbook, what they enjoy about it, whether you should oh, write like in the margins of your cookbooks like cookbook etiquette yes but it was just so interesting hearing them be so passionate about cookbooks and it made me feel so much better Justifies because one of own. them <laughs> has over four thousand cookbooks oh my god and i was just like i have never felt better about the yeah, like how 30 i mean she's this is the food writer. She'd, she's also, I think, in her 60s, and she's okay. been a food writer for literal decades. <laughs> so she did say she gets, oh, like, a shit ton sent to her. Of course. Yeah. That's, like, how much money But she did that? say at her peak of, like, cookbook collecting, yeah. she was buying one a week. Yeah, wow. Wow. Yeah. But I guess if you're in that world, too. It's a job. Um, but I loved also, as part of it... Um, the cookbook, The Food Writer, um, the, one of the first books, I think the host asked her what her favourite recent cookbook is, and she says it's Parwana. <gasps> like the Adelaide. And this is a UK based one. Yeah, it's a BBC podcast. And like she specifically oh, name cool. drops that cookbook, which of course is amazing. Oh my God. But just yes. so, when she said it, I was like, do you mean. Such a thrill. Do you mean Parwana from Adelaide? <laughs> I was like, like oh, down the road. Everyone else knows how amazing they are too. Yay. Like it's so good. Oh my God. I'm so glad that's that felt really that cool. And I mean, it is. It's a stunning cookbook because they both speak to, and I think you talked about this before in our cookbook episode about how important the story is behind the recipes and the, um, the authors. Yeah. And they talk about how that's the thing that sets apart a cookbook mm. for them, mm. which is also um, one of the reasons she talked about Parwana because she I said know. it was an incredible way of weaving their story together. And then talking about the recipes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's such, like, a unique thing to talk about, too. Mm. Just, like, an appreciation for cookbooks and them as, like, a standalone yes. book that you can enjoy mm-hmm. and collect and kind of treasure. Yeah. I loved it. Yay. Such a niche, but such so glad it's getting Very like, niche topic. Getting the appreciation it yeah. deserves. Cookbooks. Exactly. Well, that was our little slice of Adelaide Writers Week. Yeah, we hope you enjoy. And please tell us if you went to see anyone in particular that was amazing or if you're reading any of the new books by any of these authors that we might not have already been across. If you had better luck than us. (laughs) Turning up. I mean, yeah, yeah. We did Writers Week in our own way. (laughs) 
Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll Happy see you reading. next time. Happy reading. There you go. <laughs>